One thing that's been saving me lately is listening to church music in the car and, of course, singing along hymns and choir anthems mostly, including some of the beautiful anthems that Lisa has chosen for us in recent months. And you know, if you do this, whatever program it is you're using for online music, it starts making suggestions, right? That's the closest I can un come to understanding what an algorithm is, I guess. <laughs> but one day, this program made a suggestion for me, and it was a version of the beautiful hymn, Amazing Grace. It was sung by Judy Collins in a recording that I'd never heard. And on the first verse, she's singing alone a cappella. And I have to admit, I didn't think it was that special in the moment, and I almost hit the thing where I could skip ahead to whatever was next in the queue, but I didn't. Because her voice was clear and beautiful, but it wasn't that different from other recordings I've heard of that hymn, right? But on the second verse, all of a sudden these background voices start quietly coming in. And they're not singing the words, they're just humming underneath her solo, staying in the background and just humming the notes. And then on the third verse, there's a shift deeper still those folks who are humming, they start their voices joining in singing, and all of a sudden I can hear that they're in a church because it's reverberating, and I can picture them in this church, this church full of people lifting their voices. And that third verse goes, through many dangers, toils, and snares, we have already come. Twas grace that brought us safe thus far and grace will lead us home. And when I heard this, tears filled my eyes. I felt it so deeply, not just because it was beautiful, because, but because they were singing together and they started blending in harmonies. And in this version, if you know the version in our hymnal, they changed the words in that verse from I to we and from me to us. Our version says, through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. But if you've ever been through dangers, toils, and snares, you know it's not a good idea to try to do that alone. And they sang it, we have already come. And this was, for me, a reminder that I have needed lately that we are not alone, that we're never alone, that we have one another and grace does abide. I read about this recording a little bit and learned that Judy Collins made this recording quite a while ago now. It was at the height of the Vietnam War and that the folks singing in that church, it was a church, a chapel on the campus of Columbia University in New York City, that those singers weren't professionals. They were amateurs who were her friends that she gathered there and as I said, you can hear that it's a church they're singing in. And about this recording, she said, 
I didn't know what else to do about the war in Vietnam. I had marched, I had voted, I had gone to jail on political actions and worked for the candidates that I believed in, and the war was still raging. There was nothing left to do, I thought, but to sing Amazing Grace. So she sang, and she didn't do it alone. And the power she touched is the power that comes when we move from I to we, when we move from a solo to a chorus. I'm someone who needs a certain amount of quiet and solitude. But in these recent months when life here in our congregation has been so much, so full of both joys and sorrows of holding on and letting go, celebrating and mourning, it is obvious, isn't it, how much we need one another. And this is something I love about church, that we are here to hold open a space for gathering and connection, especially when it's most needed, where it's obvious that we are here to show up for one another, right? I'm sure you can think of a time when somebody showed up for you. And I'm sure you can think of a time when you showed up for someone else. And I hope you know deep in your bones what a difference that makes. And yet, you know life in community can be messy and inefficient and frustrating. Have you ever said to yourself, I should just do this all by myself? Yeah, me too. But we are made for each other. And this is something that our society with its culture of heroic individualism, this is something our society tends to forget. We promote these images of, I can do it all by myself. We could learn from that African philosophy called Ubuntu, which says that a person is a person through other persons. Archbishop Desmond Tutu introduced Ubuntu to the world in many ways, and he said about it, when you have it, you are generous, you are hospitable, you are friendly and caring and compassionate. He said, we belong in a bundle of life. It reminds me of our son when he was a little boy. He was playing with his cousin one day, and he said, aren't we just in a tangle of fun? <laughs> we are in a bundle of life, and hopefully sometimes it's a tangle of fun, right? And this is one of the reasons I love church, because it clearly is not a solo enterprise. We are in this together. We are in this bundle of life. And our gatherings, whether on Sunday mornings or, or at other times, they remind us of this, that we each have our own parts to play. Some of you know I used to work in a previous time, in a, what feels like a previous life, as a freelance photographer. But when I started heading into the ministry, I knew, I was clear, that I had no interest in being a freelance minister. I knew that I needed a community 
for support and also to be accountable to. And I've had these different communities I've been part of. But back then, I had no idea that the most important community would be you. I had no idea how much a blessing you would be, truly. I found myself thinking about some words by a person named Lindy Thompson. She and her family are active minister, active members of the Methodist Church in Franklin, Tennessee. And I love how she describes going to church on Sunday morning. I'm going to share her words with you. She writes, I might be exhausted and the children might be cranky, but I will be going to church on Sunday. Don't know who is preaching, doesn't matter. The sermon may be helpful or not, holds my attention or it doesn't. It's the singing. I go to sing. I get up, get clean, get dressed, possibly get mad at not ready kids, at empty coffee pot, at traffic. Get going, get there, get seated, get focused, get comfortable. And when the music starts, get saved. It's the singing. I go to sing. It's the willingness to stand if you are able, the common agreement on page number, the voluntary sharing of songbooks with people on your row, even the ones you rode there with. But most of all, it's the collective in-breath before the first sound is made, the collective drawing upon the grace of God, the collective, if inadvertent, admission that we are all human, all fragile, all in need of the sustaining air freely dispensed, all in need of each other to get the key right and to not sound discordant. It's the hidden life celebration in the act of making a joyful noise all together. We don't even have to sound that good. Singing together brings, still brings home the we-ness of worship the not-aloneness of life in God, the best of all we have to offer each other. When we are singing, I think that I might actually be able to forgive you for being so terribly human. And you might be able to forgive me for being so terribly not there yet. And we might be able to find peace now, not postpone it for some heavenly thereafter, but live and breathe it today, drawing in the grace of God, voicing out our need and hope and gratitude and longing. When we are singing, I can feel the better world coming, and if I get to be a part of it, you do too. So sing with me, and we'll make our way down that blessed road together, collectively better than we ever thought possible. Thanks, Lindy Thompson, for writing almost a third of my sermon for me. <laughs> for lifting up the promise and the blessing of a plain old Sunday morning. The invitation to be part of this funky and beautiful thing called church. For lifting up this image of singing as a symbol for life in community. 
I know that people these days have reasons to be skeptical about organized religion, that too often faith communities have failed to practice what they preach, have held back progress, have oftentimes harmed more than they have healed. You know, when people gather in groups, there's always the possibility that they will make things worse, not better. Gathering together can amplify our human weaknesses and can increase our dysfunction and can multiply our prejudices. You know this, right? And yet, joining with others, people can build and sustain communities that can offer hope and liberation, can hold open spaces for redemption and reconciliation. We're not perfect here, but this is what we are trying to do, to be a community of the Spirit where we hold open this space for you to become more fully who you were born to be. So together we can help heal and bless our world. And no one person can hold open this space. We do it for one another. Sometimes we talk about our church as like a family. We say, hello, church family, or good morning, church family, and I love that. But sometimes I'm aware it can also be a danger too, you know? Because, newsflash, families can be dysfunctional. (laughs) I know you're shocked. And a community can become too cozy, so much that it becomes cliquish and closed off to newcomers. Even if that's not the intention of the insiders, it can still be the effect. The Transforming Hearts class that we had here last winter invited us to take a deeper look at our church culture, to pay attention to what's there but under the surface. And this is something that healthy communities and healthy families know how to do and know how to practice to engage in some amount of self-examination and ask others, especially newcomers, to share their perspective. How are we doing? What is your experience here? How are we doing at walking our talk? This morning, I just want to lift up the blessing and the promise of community, what Lindy Thompson calls the we-ness of worship the not-aloneness of life in God. You may need to translate that a little bit, but isn't this why you come? To be reminded that you are not alone, that we have human companions here, and that, as our universalist faith says so plainly, we are part of something larger, a love that will not let us go that will not let us go. We each have our own particular callings and our individual work to do. And there is so much we can't do or be all on our own. There is so much that needs a community, a place where we come together combining our talents and our gifts. It's what you do here already in so many beautiful ways like feeding the hungry, 
like renovating this building and making it accessible, like filling the sanctuary with song, like gathering around a grieving family, and then after the service, feeding people, like holding open a space for a minister in training, companioning her and being blessed by her for two years, and then when the time comes, to bless her on her way and let her go. And there are so many other hidden things that we could name, right? My spiritual companions, let us be grateful for what we have. This present moment and these companions. But let us not get too comfortable or too complacent here. Let us be ever looking for ways to stretch and grow, to be open to new people and new possibilities. Let us be ever on the way toward we and us and ours. It goes on one at a time. It starts when you care to act. It starts when you do it again after they said no. It starts when you say we, and you know who you mean, and each day you mean one more. And each day you mean one more. Amen. Amen.